Israel is scattered all over the world. And the dilemma of the last days has been, how do we solve this problem? How do we put the pieces back together? If you think about it from the perspective of so many of these prophets who saw our day, they're looking at our day and they must have been thinking, how in the world is God going to put this country, this nation, this people back together? They don't know who they are. They've completely lost their identity and assimilated into other identities that they, they take on. They think, oh, this is me. I'm, I'm this or I'm that. And they don't know who they are. How is God going to help them realize this is not who you are? You aren't this um, culture. You aren't this um person that you really belong to Israel. This is really what your music looks like. This is what your diet and your religion and your faith and your culture. It's You're really Israel. How do we help you find that again? This is the marvelous work and wonder that's prophesied in Isaiah. And we're just going to watch another short clip that talks about that. However, the mystery encompasses far more than just discovering the lost tribes. Locating them is really only the very beginning. As the nation of Israel crumbled to pieces, the Lord promised that one day he would not only find the scattered descendants of his people, but that he would unite them once again under a latter-day David. They would be scattered and lost, even to themselves. And yet suddenly they would rise up and they would return to their homeland, guided by their prophets. These are prophets who actually literally saw our day in vision. And then they begin to talk about a nation that would be established and lifted up and set up and raised up in the latter days. The tribes of Israel would become a nation again, a nation greater and more advanced than the United States, China, or any other world power we recognize today. In prophecy, the return of the tribes to their homeland corresponds with and even triggers events that have become known as apocalyptic. Gog and Magog, Armageddon, all of these end time prophecies hinge on the gathering and the restoration of Israel. The challenge could be considered insurmountable. Consider attempting to uncover the identity of millions of people who don't know who they are. How can a nation be built from a people who are lost? and more than lost, essentially non-existent. Pockets of Israel had been assimilated into Europe, into Asia, South America, North America, all over the world. Ancient prophets looked down and they described the answer to this seemingly hopeless situation as a marvelous work and a wonder. And I believe the evidence is strong that, there, that God led migrations out of Israel and that they, he led them to the promised land of America. This was another exodus of, of sorts. The pilgrims believed it. Columbus believed it. All of yes. them believed mm -hmm. they were completing the journey that Moses started. All of them. Yes. All of them. The early colonists who fled from religious persecution to America, from the north, from England, from Scotland, Ireland, Germany, and so forth, were literal Israelites. The prophet Joseph Smith, who had Puritan, Pilgrim, and Covenanter blood, was partly of Joseph and purely through Ephraim, but he was also partly and purely of Judah. He was the rightful heir in the latter days. They called themselves uh, Israel, and they believed that they were Israel, and they were, uh, uh, it was a new chance for Israel. 
Now, when the restoration of the gospel happened, Joseph Smith was very clear. The brethren of the early church were very clear. They were Ephraimites. They were pure Ephraimites. We can find archaeological evidence, even genetic DNA evidence, but mostly prophetic evidence that, that brings Ephraim, amongst other places, to north and, and to west Europe. They wanted one simple thing. They wanted to be able to live their life according to the dictates of their own conscience and be able to serve and worship God the way that they want to do that. And so they came by the millions. Um, it has been estimated that over 62 or 63 million people came just in, in, in a, uh, up till about uh, the early 1900s. And really, uh, was has, has the biggest migration of humans in, in, in our history of human beings. One of the great scriptural prophecies that has been completely missed in the latter day is the gathering of Israel from the land of the north. I'm not sure how we missed the great migration, but somehow we missed it. Israel, at least in part, has already been found and gathered from the lands of the north. Some of these other prophecies about this that talked about it would be a land of prosperity and security. Um, it says that actually eight different times in the Book of Mormon. It talks about it being a land of liberty eight different times in the Book of Mormon. It says that it would be the land of the New Jerusalem. The Lord prepared a special book, a record that was prepared by a select group of the forefathers of this lost people. Many prophets saw the scattering of Israel in vision. They understood the crisis. And so the Lord gave them a voice, a voice to cry out hundreds of years later, a voice that would resonate with their people, a voice that would awaken a suppressed identity and call these lost children home. The Lord explained that his sheep would know his voice. In other words, those who followed the Son of God in the premortal life and obeyed his teachings would desire to do the same in mortality. In missionary work, if we will teach the words and the doctrine of Scripture, then we can gather Israel. If we teach only psychology or sociology, we may encourage people to join the church, but they won't be rooted, and most of the time, they won't endure. Centuries of prophets prayed that the remnant would be awakened. A special servant, the culmination of all the ancient prophets, was prepared to translate this sacred record, unfold additional revelation, and enact the final redemption. So when you hear about the scattering and the gathering of Israel, when you study the book of Isaiah, the story is this simple. You have a huge family group that became wicked. They abandoned the gospel. They abandoned who they were. So they got separated. Their nation was destroyed and they were spread all over. And now they're mixed in every country and they identify themselves not as Israel anymore, not as a, a son or daughter of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but with other identities. But God wants them to remember who they are. And so what does he do? He restores scripture and he gives them messages to help their spirits wake up. And this is what Nephi talks about. And he's quoting, I want you to keep in mind, Nephi is actually quoting Isaiah here. And when we get into the Isaiah chapters, you're going to recognize that. So Nephi says, nevertheless, 
after they shall be nursed by the Gentiles, and the word Gentiles basically just means nations, but we'll talk more about that later, but nursed by the Gentiles, and the Lord has lifted up his hand upon the Gentiles and set them up for a standard, and their children have been carried in their arms, and their daughters have been carried upon their shoulders, behold, these things of which are spoken are temporal, for thus are the covenants of the Lord with our fathers." Okay, so what is Nephi talking about here? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nephi is essentially saying that in the last days, Israel is scattered among all of these nations, and God is going to bring those children home. And this is a temporal, literal event. For thus, says Nephi, are the covenants of the Lord with our fathers, and it meaneth us in the days to come, and also our brethren who are of the house of Israel. So Nephi is saying, this is going, this, these prophecies are about the Nephites, the Lamanites, the Lemuelites, and their descendants in the last days, as well as all of Israel. He says, it meaneth, right? He's going to explain what, what are they talking about? That this, these Gentiles are going to be carrying them in their arms and daughters on their shoulders. What is he talking about? He says, it meaneth that the time cometh that after all the house of Israel have been scattered and confounded, that the Lord God will raise up a mighty nation among the Gentiles, yea, even upon the face of this land, and by them shall our seed be scattered. Okay, so what is this mighty nation that was raised on this land, the land of Lehi? Well, if you go study the Book of Mormon, and it's pretty obvious from the context here, that is America. That is the United States of America. It is a mighty nation raised up among the Gentiles. And the purpose, the whole purpose of this nation being established, why? Why is the United States of America being established? Why is the Constitution being given? The whole reason, its entire role is to allow a place, a base of operations for God to bring the restoration of the gospel back to provide a place where Joseph Smith could come, could translate the Book of Mormon, could restore these covenants. And then from there, those covenants and that gospel could be taken to the entire world. Nephi continues, he says, quote, and after our seed is scattered, the Lord God will proceed to do a marvelous work among the Gentiles, which shall be of great worth unto our seed. Wherefore, it is likened unto their being nourished by the Gentiles and being carried in their arms and upon their shoulders. That is a direct quote from Isaiah, this phrase of um, being nourished by the Gentiles and carried in their arms and upon their shoulders. And Nephi is explaining, when you see that, don't get overwhelmed, don't get confused, don't be like, what is he talking about? He's just saying, there is going to be a nation that is going to be established. And in that nation, it is going to be prepared a place. And then God is going to bring forth back the gospel, the truth. The Bible will have been corrupted. The covenants will have been lost. But there's this man named Joseph Smith who's going to show up and he's going to do this marvelous work. And it's going to be of so much worth, he says, unto our seed. You can, you can just feel Nephi's hope here, where Nephi is saying, you know what? My kids are in for a crazy ride, but there is going to be hope. They're, they're going to be able to get back on track. And that is the marvelous work and a wonder. And he says, quote, and it shall also be of worth unto the Gentiles 
and not only unto the Gentiles, but unto all the house of Israel, right? This is not just for the descendants of Abraham. This is for every son and daughter of God on the face of the earth. And why is this work so just such of great worth and so important? He says, because it is the making known of the covenants of the father of heaven unto Abraham, saying, in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed, end quote. This is why the Reformation is important. When you're reading 1 Nephi 13 and Nephi's talking about the pilgrims and the founding fathers and the Reformation and you're wondering, who cares, right? If you're someone who comes from Africa or India or the Middle East or Japan or China, you might be wondering, why should I care about the pilgrims? Why do I care about George Washington? Why do I care about all this Reformation history in Europe? Because this is your story of how God is bringing the gospel back to you. This is how God is going to bring Israel back together from their scattered state all over the world to help them know what? Just know just something simple like, oh, Jesus is real or here's some cool scriptures. No, they need to know the covenants of the father unto Abraham. They need to know Abraham was your father. Abraham got promises. If you follow those fathers, if you follow their words and their example, they will help get you back to Jesus Christ. And that is through those covenants. It is powerful. This is the marvelous work and a wonder. And it really is marvelous. We use that term, but we don't think about it. It is marvelous. So Nephi continues here in 1 Nephi 22 verses 10 through 11. He says, And I would, my brethren, that ye should know that all the kindreds of the earth cannot be blessed unless he shall make bare his arm in the eyes of the nations. So he says, Unless God does this miracle and unless unless he does this in the history of the world and the history of America and Europe, all the kindreds of the earth cannot be blessed. He says, wherefore the Lord God will proceed to make bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations in bringing about his covenants and his gospel unto those who are of the house of Israel. Wherefore he shall bring them again out of captivity. Wait. That phrase, out of captivity, right? That's that's a word link with 1 Nephi 13, where Nephi is talking about who? The early reformers, the pilgrims and the Puritans fleeing Europe out of captivity. Here is that phrase again. The Lord is saying, I'm going to bring about these covenants. I'm going to bring my children, Israel, out of captivity. And they shall be gathered together to the lands of their inheritance. Where are those lands of their inheritance? Well, if you go back to the days of Adam, it's America. If you go to Joseph of Egypt, Joseph of Egypt was given America. If you go to the other tribes of Israel, such as Judah and Naphtali and Dan and Gad and Asher, uh, they have land in Palestine in the old world. And these are tangible lands and they're lands of their inheritance. Quote, and they shall be brought out of obscurity and out of darkness right? What is going to bring the walls down? What is going to break them out of captivity? What is going to bring them out of darkness? It is going to be scripture and the words of God and the covenants of God coming forward. And it says, and they shall know that the Lord is their savior and their redeemer, the mighty one of Israel. 
know, a minute or two ago, I was talking about the God bringing Israel and Europe out of captivity with the Reformation and the early colonists. But those are not the only children of Israel that need to be brought out of captivity. I want you to think about today what people in different places in the world are bound and in captivity. What about our poor brothers and sisters in North Korea who are being killed and tortured? Uh, what about the, our Christian brothers and sisters in China that are fighting just to be able to have a Bible and uh, proclaim the name of Jesus Christ? Uh, what about the Middle East? These are all locations on the earth today, right now, that are in captivity. And Israel, Israel is in those nations in captivity, but God has a promise and he is going to fulfill that promise. Um, Nephi continues, he says, the blood of that great and abominable church, which is the whore of all the earth, right? This is what Nephi sees. It's this apostate force, this abomination that is going to try to destroy Israel in the last days. He says, they will turn upon their own heads. They shall war among themselves. The sword of their own hands shall fall upon their own heads, and they shall be drunken with their own blood. Deliverance is going to come. How? God always does this. He has this incredible way, and you can see this in history, of turning the wicked against the wicked. They actually implode and they destroy themselves. He says, every nation which shall war against the O house of Israel shall be turned one against another, and they shall fall into the pit which they digged to ensnare the people of the Lord. And Satan shall have no more power over the hearts of the children of men. This is an incredible promise of deliverance. Uh, but what do we do with this? Do we just say, man, I really wish God would speed up. Like, when is he going to do this? Like, do we just sit and wait for this to happen and say, you know what, God, like, come on, there's a lot of your children, Israel, all over the world that needs your help today. Let's, let's get the let out, right? Um, no, Nephi continues, we have a responsibility here. Uh, he says, for the time soon cometh that the fullness of the wrath of God shall be poured out upon all the children of men. For he will not suffer that the wicked shall destroy the righteous. Wherefore, he will preserve the righteous by his power. Even if it so be that the fullness of his wrath must come and the righteous be preserved, even unto the destruction of their enemies by fire. So this is Nephi saying, how are the righteous going to be saved in the last days? It's actually through the destructions. That's what God is going to do. And he says, the righteous need not fear, for thus saith the prophet, they shall be saved, even if it so be as by fire. And then Nephi goes on to describe some of these destructions, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. And he says, the righteous will not perish, for the time surely must come that all they who fight against Zion shall be cut off. So God is essentially going to be sending destructions to save the righteous, but wait a minute, how do we avoid being destroyed when essentially all hell breaks loose? Well, President Joseph F. Smith actually taught 
that this is the teaching and doctrine of physical gathering. So if you think about the days of Joseph Smith, where Joseph Smith was calling all of the saints, he says, come to Nauvoo, come to Missouri, come to Kirtland, or um, Brigham Young was calling the saints to gather to Utah. This is part of the reason, the physical gathering of Israel coming together, finding out who they are, remembering their identity, and then physically coming and joining together is what will save them. Here's a clip explaining some of President Smith's words. Joseph and Hiram's proclamation emphasized that Israel would not be able to survive the horrific events of the last days unless they followed the commandment to gather. In addition to all temporal blessings, there is no other way for the saints to be saved in these last days as the concurrent testimony of all the holy prophets clearly proves. For it is written, They shall come from the east and be gathered from the west. The north shall give up and the south shall keep not back. The sons of God shall be gathered from far and his daughters from the ends of the earth. It is also the concurrent testimony of all the prophets that this gathering together of all the saints must take place before the Lord comes to take vengeance upon the ungodly and to be glorified and admired by all those who obey his gospel. Joseph Smith. The prophet Joseph Smith and other leaders have placed the doctrine of gathering with the fundamental doctrines of the church. In searching ancient or Latter-day scripture, the gathering of Israel is perhaps the most common theme. In various dispensations, there are various differences in regard to certain requirements of the gospel. For instance, in the day of Noah, when he preached the gospel to the antediluvian world, he was given a special commandment to build an ark, that in case the people would reject him and the message sent unto them, that himself and all who believed on him might be saved from the destruction that awaited them. President Joseph F. Smith. Remember the ancient story of Noah. The Lord commanded the prophet to construct an ark. This ark would save the righteous from a certain death. All those who rejected or disregarded the counsel perished. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Luke 17, 26. What is our Latter-day Ark? Noah came before the flood. I have come before the fire. Joseph Smith. President Joseph F. Smith testified that our Ark is gathering. It is not enough to know we are Israel. We must gather, unite, and build our people again. In this dispensation, there is a principle or commandment peculiar to it. What is that? It is the gathering the people unto one place. The gathering of this people is as necessary to be observed by believers as faith, repentance, baptism, or any other ordinance. President Joseph F. Smith. President Smith emphasized that gathering in this dispensation is just as necessary as faith or repentance, the sacrament, baptism, endowments, sealing, and so on. How many of us have taken the time to study this doctrinal gem? 
It is an essential part of the gospel of this dispensation, as much so as the necessity of building an ark by Noah for his deliverance was a part of the gospel of his dispensation. Then the world was destroyed by a flood. Now it is to be destroyed by war, pestilence, famine, earthquakes, storms, and tempests. The sea rolling beyond its bounds, malarious vapors, vermin, disease, and by fire, and the lightnings of God's wrath poured out for destruction upon Babylon. The cry of the angel unto the righteous of this dispensation is, Come out of her, O my people, that ye partake not of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. President Joseph F. Smith. So this physical gathering is critical. This is why Joseph F. Smith says it's just as important as faith, repentance, baptism in our day. And the purpose is as First Nephi continues, and this is in chapter 22. We're still in chapter 22. He says, And the Lord will surely prepare a way for his people unto the fulfilling of the words of Moses, which he spake, saying, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you, like unto me, and him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Now, just as a spoiler alert, Nephi explains this, but this prophet that Moses is prophesying about is Jesus Christ. So the coming of Jesus Christ, not just the second coming during the millennium that we all look forward to, but Jesus Christ coming to Joseph Smith, beginning to restore the ordinances, Um, Jesus Christ coming to other prophets. Um, All of this in part is part of fulfilling the return of Jesus Christ to be able to help Israel come back into the fold. He says, it shall come to pass that all those who will not hear that prophet shall be cut off from among the people. And now I, Nephi, declare unto you that this prophet of whom Moses spake was the Holy One of Israel, wherefore he shall execute judgment in righteousness, end quote. So we do know of several instances in our day when Jesus Christ has come. Um, But how else does he speak in our day until he's physically reigning on the earth? Well, we're going to go into that when we get into the Isaiah portion, because Isaiah has a lot to say about how Jesus Christ speaks and what that looks like and how to be prepared for safety, how to be safe when these destructions unleash. Nephi continues, he talks about false churches being destroyed, all the false ideologies and the counterfeits um, being completely destroyed. He talks about the millennium and peace being restored. And that's it. That is Nephi's commentary on Isaiah when his brothers are saying, we're so confused. Isaiah is so complicated. He's saying, this is it. This is the story. So if you just get these points, you've got the story. The points are, one, the house of Israel was scattered into every country in the world because they rejected the covenants, but God is still going to reach out and save them. God made promises to their fathers, their ancestors, and he has to keep those promises. These are promises to Enoch, Abraham, Joseph of Egypt, and others. 
So God is going to help these Israelites remember who they are. He's going to do this through the scriptures and through teaching. And the spirits of these lost Israelites are going to respond. They're going to remember how they're supposed to live. And this conversion will cause them to leave their homes, to gather together to be safe. So that then the Lord can destroy the wicked and peace can truly be restored. That is the story of Isaiah. That is the story of really all of the prophets in the Old Testament. Once you figure this out, this framework, you've got Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and the rest of them down. Isaiah, frankly, it's he's just the details. And now he is a little more bold. Um, we will definitely see that uh, in future chapters included by Nephi in the Book of Mormon. Uh, Isaiah doesn't mince words. He is a little controversial and he's definitely not politically correct. Um, but his purpose is just to help us understand what is wrong in our day, where we've gotten off track, and how to come back to those covenants. So we're going to continue next to Isaiah chapter 48. Let's actually test this out and let's see if we can understand this mystical book.